If you would take your Bibles to John chapter 10. John, John chapter 10, as you're turning there, uh, we mentioned it I think a couple weeks ago, but I want to remind you, uh, starting in January, we're going to be having a monthly uh, men's prayer breakfast, and uh, so I want to encourage you to get that on your calendar. Our first one will be at 8 a.m. on January the 7th here at the church, and uh, so I hope that you'll put that on your calendar, and I know it'll be a great blessing on uh, a great time together as we go uh, before the Lord and fellowship together. John chapter 10 is where we are as we've been going through, uh, really as we looked at John 10, 8, excuse me, John chapters 8 through 10, we really see that Jesus is offering hope to everyone. He has shown himself to be God in, in the flesh over and over again. These people have failed to understand and failed to believe. And we often, uh, in our day and age, find ourselves in that same boat. We see God's hand working, uh, we pray and we ask for things, and uh, it's amazing how many unbelievers pray and ask and cry out to God, and when God shows himself to them, uh, they, they find themselves not, not believing. But unfortunately, one of our biggest struggles is that our hope is in the things often of this world. We we look to stuff or material things. We look to find hope in circumstances or even hope in other people. And all of these areas will fail us at some time. But Jesus will never fail us. So we come to John chapter 10 between verses 21 and 22 is where we're going to begin today. But between these verses is about two months in the life of Christ in verse 21, it's not long after the Feast of the Tabernacles, somewhere around the month of October. And when we come to verse 22, we find that Jesus is back in Jerusalem. It's the Feast of Dedication, and now it is winter time. And so now we're somewhere around December there at the Feast of Dedication. And we're also about three months before the time that Christ is going to be crucified. And here, as after the first of the year, we'll be transitioning to the second half of this book. And uh, the first half of the book has been most of Christ's life and his ministry. When we come to the second half, over most of the second half of the book is going to deal with the last week of Christ's life. But we find that Jesus comes back here to the temple in these verses. In verse 23, the Bible says Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. And then came the Jews, these religious leaders, and they came round about him. And they said unto him, how long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. So Jesus is back in the uh, temple and these religious leaders come and surround him and they challenge him again and they say, show us that you are the Christ. And they go on to blame him even for their doubt. You make us to doubt. And so they're blaming Christ himself. And Jesus' response here in verse 25, he says, I told you. I love that. I told you so. That's when next time I say that to you, that's where I got it from. All right. Jesus said, I told you so. We don't like to hear that, but that's biblical. And I'm following the example of Jesus himself. They said, you are the reason. And Jesus says to them, I told you and you believe not. More than that, he says, I've shown you the works that I do in my father's name. They bear witness of me. Jesus says, I've told you. I've shown you. But in this section of scripture, we see that Jesus 
is dealing with the so-called religious leaders of that day, people that should be representing God before the people, but they had no desire to know him, to believe on him. They had a desire for their position, their power, for the things of this world. But I want you to notice, these were God's example. These were God's so-called leaders in that day. They were supposed to be good. They were supposed to help people. But as you read through the New Testament, you see very clearly that they become oppressors. And so Jesus has now confronted them, and the Bible tells us that they want to kill him. We have all been called to be representatives of God before those that he has given to us in our life. And the problem that we find ourselves in is that we struggle with this. I wish that I could be a perfect husband. I wish that I could be a perfect father. I wish that I could be a, a perfect pastor. And some of you are saying amen. We wish that too. We've probably all been mistreated by those that are supposed to care for us and help us. And we've probably all mistreated others as well. As we look at our society, we see in our world, no doubt, that our leaders are corrupt. And in this world, we're hoping for something better. And the problem is, is we are just like those in the first century church, in the first century days of Israel, that our hope is often misplaced. And so this morning, as we come to these verses in John chapter 10, I want us to refocus our hope and see that true hope is only found in Jesus. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ and the salvation that is found in him. And Lord, we know in our mind, in our lives, Lord, that Jesus truly is the only hope. But so often in our sinfulness, we fail to recognize that or to live according to that truth. And I pray, Lord, that we as believers would refocus today. But Father, for those that are here today without Christ, I pray that they would understand without him there is no hope. They're lost in their sin and they need Jesus Christ to be their savior. And as these ladies saying just a moment ago, he's crying out, come, come. And may they come to Christ today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we come to the message today, there's three words I want to bring your, to your attention. The first is the word despair, and you'll see here that in just a moment. The second is the word confrontation. And then we're gonna look at the concept of hope found here in John chapter 10. First of all, let's consider the despair that the world was in. There was a time when the world was at peace with God. When Adam and Eve walked there in the garden, it was God that had provided everything that they needed and that we would need. We had peace with God. We had peace in this world there in the garden. We had the ideal relationship, not only with God, but also with each other. Now in the world today, we're seeking world peace and we're seeking just contentment and satisfaction in this life. And oftentimes we find moments, we find little moments and we even say things like, wow, this is heaven on earth. And we look for those situations and we try to create those situations where we have moments of peace and blessing in this life now. And as parents and as leaders, we try to create those moments for the ones that we love 
in our life. But no matter how we labor and no matter how much we do, we can never create true peace and, and true satisfaction and true blessing because that really can only be found in God. Unfortunately, sin destroyed all of this. As God is the source of everything that we want and desire, but sin has, sin has separated us from God and, and from the world that he wanted for us and the world that we are striving for in our life. Today we see and we read in scripture that God blesses us blesses his people with material things and he's going to provide for us. He blesses us with others in our life to be a help to us. And he even blesses us with his presence. But in the days in which we live, nothing is like it was when they were there in the garden. As we live in a world that is marred by sin. And so the world is filled with sinful men. And unfortunately, it's filled with men that want to dominate others. And they want to, to oppress others to be able to help themselves. Even the best of leaders fail us and even oppress us. We can all go back and look at our, the history of our country, the history of the world, and we can find what we would call quote-unquote great leaders. But even in their life and even in their time of leadership, we find we find oppression and we find their, their failures. You know, it never seems enough for those in leadership, for those that have power, for the, those that have. I think of men like Alexander the Great or even Napoleon and the great power that they had in their society, and it was never enough. They always wanted to conquer more. And they would do whatever they had to do to, to get more and to gain more and to have more power and prestige, even if they had to oppress. We see that in our society today. We will literally fight people for the last toy on the shelf so that we can give it to our kids so that our kids have it better than your kids. We see conflict. We hear of shootings over just the dumbest things in our society today. Everybody knows that I'm an Alabama fan. A few years ago, it was sad that one fan of Alabama shot another fan of Alabama after we lost the football game. And when they were asked, why did they shoot the person? They said they weren't upset enough over the game. <laughs> now, people in Alabama are crazy, all right? I'm going to tell you, especially when it comes to football, all right? <laughs> but that's the world that we live in today. People have their perspective of what things should be like and what they want. And even in this fallen world, God has delegated leaders and we see that the wickedness. Every day you log into Fox News or turn on Fox News or you, whatever your news station is, even if you're just on social media through your scroll, you'll see the wickedness of the leaderships of our world and what's going on in our society today. And, and many people call for equality, but they don't want equality. They want their group to be the oppressor over another group. And that's the society that we live in and find ourselves in today. But God in this world has set up delegated powers or human representatives that are of him and they're to care and, and for those that are underneath them. You think about those institutions that God created. It was God that created the home. 
And God put a father and a mother uh, to be over the children, and yet we see child abuse, and we see children being oppressed and mistreated in our world today because of wicked parents. We look at our civil government. It was, it's God that raises up kings and takes them down. It was God that uh, instituted human government there in uh, Genesis chapter 9 for his purposes and for his will. But yet wicked men rise up in power and they want to oppress one group over the other. And we see the tragedies that that's happened over the years. We see the same thing in the church God instituted the church and, and pa- pastors are to have spiritual leadership over the people in their congregation. But there have been pastors that have been wicked and, and corrupt and they have oppressed the people in the congregation of God. And so people don't trust the, the, the office of a pastor anymore and the authority that he has. And so we want to reject and rebel. And the reality is all these institutions have been instituted by God and, and leadership has been placed in. But leadership is sinful at its best. And so, because of this, people have been oppressed and people have oppressed others. All of us today could probably think about times when leadership has disappointed us or oppressed us. We all have stories about that, but we also have stories where we have failed others. When we have been in a position of leadership and people can look at our leadership and 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 point out our problems as, as well. And so this oppression for many, whether it's in the home or it's in civil society or even in the church, this oppression has caused people to lose hope. You know, this is the mainstream stream mindset in our world today. You know, the world says today that you're nothing but an animal. So live however you want and figure out what makes your life the best. And so if you're miserable as a boy, guess what? Tell yourself that you're a girl and maybe your life will be better. And if you're a girl and you're miserable and you don't like it, tell yourself that you're a boy and maybe your life will be better. If you're miserable in that marriage, guess what? You just get a divorce and go find somebody else that's going to make you feel better about yourself. And after the sixth one, maybe you'll figure it out. You're the problem and not the spouses that you were married to. But that's what the world says because we live in a wicked society. Let's not run to God and to his word and to Jesus Christ. Let's try to figure this thing out in our own wisdom, in our own understanding because there is no God. There is no power. We're all left into our own selves. And, and, and so therefore our wickedness comes out. And so you can have immoral relationships with whoever you want and you can live however you want as long as it makes you feel good about yourself and gives you just a little bit of hope. And so we see in our world, discouragement is rampant. We see um, suicide is, is off the charts. We see, um, you know, people that are depressed and on drugs trying to figure this thing out and find hope. And the same thing is true as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Moses, as it was in the days of Jesus. These things aren't going to bring you true and lasting hope. Hope is only found in Jesus Christ. And so we come to John chapter 10, and, and we, because of this despair that's going on in the world, because of the leadership and the problems, even within the religious leaders, we find number two, confrontation. Jesus is going to confront them about his word and about his works. And so we live in this world filled with despair and 
and these people are struggling, and in comes Jesus. We've already seen there in those first couple of verses, Jesus says, I've given you sufficient evidence, and yet you believe not. But as Jesus is confronting these leaders, he brings their attention back to Psalm 82. Psalm 82. And I want you to turn your Bibles there, and you'll see the connection here in just a few moments when we come back. But I want you to go to Psalm 82. The Psalms are songs that Israel would sing and worship. And this, this Psalm would not be a song that the leaders in Jesus' day would appreciate or the leaders in the history of Israel. But this is a Psalm of Asaph, we're told. And Asaph tells them that God will come back and he's going to deal with the corrupt leaders. If you're there with me, look at verse 1. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. And so he tells them that he judges among the gods. Now you say, well, what does that mean? And that's, notice there, there's a little g. Well, we know that there is only one God, capital G, God that is in heaven. However, the word here is, you, is the word Elohim, which is often used as God's representatives. And so as you study scripture, you'll see that that word is used of angels at times. It's even used of Moses as he would go into Pharaoh as God's representative. So God is delegating his authority to these representatives. And so anytime you take a position over others, this applies to you. Parents to children, employer to employees, you are a representative of God. But the problem is that corrupt men oppress the people, and that is what is happening here in John chapter 10. And he tells them that God will call these leaders to give an account to how they reflected God. And so we read through, God calls them. He says, how long will you judge unjustly and accept the person's of the wicked. So God calls them and he challenges them about their behavior and their leadership. And, and, and we see here that he wants them to change their ways. So he says, defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. And so God is basically telling them, listen, your leadership is to be for the benefit of others. It's not about yourself and your position. In the world's mindset today, becoming a leader means I'm in charge. You're here to serve me. The problem is that's not a biblical representation of God or a biblical perspective of what leadership is. You see, as a parent, you're there to serve your children. As an employer, the world says you're the boss. But God says, listen, if you have people that are under your charge, you're here to serve them and to be a blessing to them and to care for them. As a pastor, you're, you're not to be worshipped and, and put in God's position, but as a, as a spiritual leader, you're here to serve, not to be served. But we, this is out of whack in our human mindset because of, of the fact that we are, we are corrupt leaders. But notice what he says in verse 5. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. And so God says this place is just filled with wickedness and they won't listen. And because of the wickedness of these leaders, at the end of verse 5, he says, all the foundation of the earth are out of course. So basically God says this world is out of whack. This world is filled with confusion and it's upside down. And listen, if this does not describe the society in which you and I live today, nothing does. We live in a messed up world. 
And so God is calling them to turn back. They think that they're, you know, living it up and life is great. And they're, you know, they have this power over others and men, has lift, men have lifted them up and they have this position. But God says, you will be judged. You will be judged and you will give an account. And so our hope should not be in men. Because just like these men found in Psalm 82, notice what it says there. I have, verse 6, I have said, ye are gods, you're my representatives, and all of you are children of the Most High, but ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. God says to them, you have been wicked and you have caused great confusion in this world, but guess what? One day you're going to have to stand and you're going to have to give an account. That's why our hope can't be in men. Our hope can only be in the promises of God. I love Hebrews chapter 6 and verses 17 through 20. Listen to these verses if you would. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. And so the writer says God has made a promise that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation or a strong hope who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into within the veil, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. God tells us, listen, we live in a messed up world, but I've sent Jesus Christ to confront the sinfulness of the world. So back in John chapter 10, if you'll go back with me, Jesus confronts these religious people over their sin, and, and the Bible tells us they want to kill him. If you look down with me, verse 30, he says, I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him, and Jesus answered, many good works have I showed you from my father, for which of those works do you stone me? And the Jews answered him, saying, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because that thou being a man, makest thyself God. And notice his answer. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law, I said ye are gods? If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. Say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemous, because I said, I am the Son of God. So Jesus confronts these religious leaders over their sin and oh, using their scriptures, and now they want to kill him because we don't like to be confronted. That's still true in our world today. That's one of the struggles that we have in our relationships today. I can't confront you because your reaction is going to be negative. And you're going to be mad because, listen, we, we know in our hearts and we'll say that we are all sinful people and we all fail and we all struggle. But listen, don't bring it up, all right? Don't confront me about my sin. And so people are just wandering in their sin and they're just living in their sin because nobody wants to be confronted. Why? Because we're satisfied with where we are. Nobody wants to have, have accountability in their life. Nobody wants to have authority over them. And, and this is the way that we think in our world today. And, and this is even the way that we approach God. But Jesus comes to them and he confronts them over their wickedness and over their sinfulness. You claim to be the representatives of God. Remember, 
Psalm 82. My friend, I don't know what's going on in your world, what kind of oppression you have. But Jesus came to confront and deal with the sinfulness of this world. And so that brings us to our third word, and that is hope. Psalm 82, Jesus is standing in the congregation of the mighty. And this is literally what is happening here in John chapter 10. Jesus is standing here in the congregation of the mighty, and they want to kill him, uh, not because of his works, but because he claims to be God. And so he says, you have made yourself to be gods, but you're corrupt. You're corrupt in your leadership. Look at the wickedness in your life, and you're sitting here trying to challenge me. Isn't that right? We, it's easy for us to call it the sin of others or what we think the problems are of others, and we fail to deal with our own sinfulness. You're corrupt in your leadership. There are people now, I want you to realize in the context here, there are people that are looking on here at this time. There are people looking on who are living in this life without hope. And they're living in this, in this world without hope because of the leaders that Jesus is confronting right here. He's confronting the wickedness of these leaders and the wickedness of this world. And he's telling them that God will keep his promise. And I can imagine the people as they're standing around realizing these leaders have oppressed them. And they're looking at Jesus and hearing what he said. And they're being reminded of the promise of God. I can see God working in their heart and life as they're confronted now, not with the wickedness of these men, but they're confronted with the hope that is found in Jesus and the hope that is found in God. You know, it's one of the great blessings about Christmas time. And we live in a sinful, wicked world all year round, and we know that. And we deal with it. But when we come to this time of year, and Easter is another one of those times, we're, we're not just confronted with the wickedness of this world, but we're confronted at that moment with Jesus. And so Jesus is not just confronting them with their wickedness, but for all of those that are around without hope. He's making it evident. There is hope. And so here is the promise of hope. Jesus said unto them, in the beginning of this chapter, I am the good shepherd. Jesus has told them, I am the bread of life. He's told them over and over again, I am the light of the world. And he's, he's shown them through the different miracles, through the different works that he did. I am the son of God that has come into this world. I am the savior. And he showed them and told them that God has sent me. Look back at our passage. Verse 36, say ye of him whom the father hath sanctified, and sent into the world. Thou blasphemest because I said I am the Son of God. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. And so over and over, he has showed himself real to these people. And so now again, he's presenting the message of hope to those that are the leaders and those that are looking on. And notice verse 39 through 42. Therefore... They sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand because it wasn't time for him to be crucified. Verse 40, he went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized, and there he abode. And many, 
many resorted unto him. And so the people came to him and they kept coming to him. And John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true. In verse 42, and many believed on him there. We see the hope that is in believing Jesus. John gave us this gospel, he told us in John chapter 20, so that you can know Jesus, so that you can know that he's the Son of God, and knowing you could believe. And there was a world filled with oppression. They were oppressed by the circumstances of life, dealing with the issues that they face on a day-to-day basis, many of them just trying to survive. They were, there were people that were dealing with the wickedness of religious leaders. People that they probably trusted and looked to for guidance and help, but yet they just oppressed them more and more. And it wasn't until they saw Jesus. It wasn't until they saw his works that they finally found what they were looking for. They finally found hope. And so what does the Bible say they did? They believed. They believed. My friend, there is no hope in your works. There's no hope in your ability. There's no hope in anything that you have to offer. There's no hope in in this wicked world. There's no hope in the religious leaders of our day. Listen, there's no hope in the spiritual leaders of our day. There's only hope in the promise of God that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sin. And if you will believe on him and receive that gift of salvation, you'll experience eternal life. And have the true hope that is only found in God. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, my friend, you don't have the hope. But maybe you're here today and you say, well, I've accepted Christ as my Savior. But I'm struggling. Hey, listen, to be honest with you, I wish, I wish I could remove every person that failed you in life. I wish I can remove every struggle that you have. I, I wish I could never fail you again. And I wish any problem and trial and difficulty that you face in this world could be taken out of your life. But we live in a sinful world. We still live amongst people that, that want to oppress others. And I understand that. But our hope isn't found in the material things of this world or the leadership of this world. Hey, listen, as a believer in Jesus Christ, my hope is not found in you. My hope is not found in this society. My hope is not found in the next political regime in this world. My hope is found in Jesus. And I know that no matter what happens to me in this life, one day anybody, anybody that oppressed me is going to have to stand before God. Anybody that oppressed you, they're going to have to stand before God. And as God stands in the midst of his congregation, he's going to cause all of them to answer to them. Well, pastor, I'm just a person of justice. I want retaliation. I want, listen, that's coming. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow, but it's coming. And all of them are going to have to answer to God. But can I promise you this? You're going to have to answer to God. 
for the way that you represented him in your home and in your community and in your society and in your classroom at the school and, and, and at your job and wherever you find yourself. We're all going to have to answer to God. Hey, listen, my hope is not found in the educational system of this world or the financial system of this world. Our hope is only found in Jesus. I love this song, There's Joy in Serving Jesus. You know, many, even Christians are miserable because we're focused on our 401k. We're focused on how people treat us in this world. Hey, listen, we can have true joy only when we're serving him and resting and trusting in his promises. And here was a group of religious leaders. They wanted to kill him. Why? Because he confronted their sinfulness and their oppression. And he's going around telling all the people the one truth that we all need to come to understand. True hope is found in Jesus Christ. Would you accept him as your Savior today? And then if you have, would you believe him and just walk in with him and live for him as we go through this life?